When I heard about what happened to your father, I just had to come. Who would have thought there'd be a Sith hidden among the royal family? I've been waiting for you all be long. We meet again at last. This is Waiting for Obi, a Star Wars podcast. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. Join us as we explore the stories told in a galaxy far, far away, providing narrative context and reactions to Star Wars on Disney Plus and beyond. Hello there. And now, Waiting for Obi, with your hosts, Jason and Kim. Welcome back to our last episode of Star Wars Visions. Holy cow, we made it! We made it. Holy cow, Batman. That's a different Holy. property. That is a different property. I don't do DC. I'm sorry. I don't either. That's a whole other podcast for <laughs> a discussion about why. But <laughs> uh, but we are here to talk about the ninth and final episode of the initial Star Wars Visions arc, Akakiti. And it's been uh, a ride. It's been quite a ride. I've been excited. Uh, there's been some. There's there's been some highs. There's been some lows. There've been some mess. And here Overall, we are. I think it was a. I mean, I guess we can talk about it in final thoughts. I'll just hold that for final hold thoughts. Hold that final thought. Holding. Uh, but for now, we're going to talk about Akakiti, <laughs> uh, produced by Science Sadu, or Science S A R U. I don't know if that's uh, supposed to be pronounced or not. Um, uh, again, it's a relatively newer studio, not familiar with a lot of their works. Um, mm-hmm. However, they were also the ones behind the short 2B1 or TOB1. Okay. Well, the um, style's a lot different. Uh, the style is a lot different, but it is still old. Like, it still yeah. looks like it still harkens back to the anime of yore. Sure. Yeah, I get that. So, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Akakiti. Well, then, if we're, I better tell you that you're going to be spoiled if you haven't watched Akakiri yet, because we're going to talk about it. Uh, not too much context stuff, so you don't have to worry about too much of that. But if you have not watched this episode yet. Um, you may want to go do that or else, you know, proceed and we're going to tell you all about it. Yeah. Um, you know, we do talk a lot about narrative context in, uh, this podcast. Uh, and there's really not much to talk about here. The show very much feels like it takes place kind of in the past, maybe even in, in the ancient past, but there's a lot more ties here to, um, kind of a, a genre or a category of, of anime that's, that's very, um, on the darker side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was actually because this episode goes that direction. I thought it was a very interesting choice for a, uh, from an ordering standpoint, having this be the final episode in the sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a few other, I, I guess it depends on like we, we talked in last episode that it got a little hey, in the middle. Yeah. But the last few have finished kind of strong, but yeah. And this is, this is definitely a, I think a strong piece from a storytelling perspective, from an emotional perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels uh, like some of the darker side of the Miyazaki films, um, you know, definitely the audience is is an adult, mature audience from an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, not something I'd want to share with. This is not an episode I want to share with my kids, for sure. Oh, yeah. I would totally agree with that. Their other one, to be one you could totally share with your kids. Oh, absolutely. Um. But yeah, so kind of an interesting, uh, you know, the last episode, last 
the last episode didn't have a lot of uh, named voice actors. We I think we talked a little bit about um, hinging on the Disney Channel name, but or Disney Channel stars. But this yeah. one, uh, this one's got a few, and it does some of the names that are just prevalent for voice acting uh, were in last episode as well as this episode. But some that you may recognize, we've got Henry Golding, uh, who was in Crazy Rich Asians. Mm. We have Jamie Chung, uh, who played Gogo in Big Hero Six. Nice. A great Disney movie. If you haven't seen Big Hero 6, you totally should. Um, is it Keon Young? Am I saying that right? I would. Um, not as many, but as soon as you see his face, you absolutely recognize him. I did. Oh, huh. Because um, he's play- He's had a lot. Like th- There's several, I don't know, just regular streamlined TV shows that he'll have. He'll play a kid. He was in Men in Black 3. Uh, so as Dr. I think it's Dr. Wu. Or Mr. Wu. Mm. And then... George Takei is also in this one. That was that was cool to see him do this. That was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I I do feel like uh, knowing that the same studio did this one in 2B1, 2B1 had a very like an Astro Boy feel to it. Oh yeah, um, for which sure. Which is, you know, kind of a, an older anime style. It's not, it is not grounded in the current kind of style that a lot of anime um, hinges on. Um, this one also has a very vintage style, I think, because uh, it is the the animation is not as detailed, uh, especially the further the further away the subject, the the less you know effort is put into the drawing of them. Um, the actual style in which these people are drawn, um, you can see some relations um, to that Astro Boy era, but um, almost even mm-hmm. you know before uh, a little bit before kind of. At this this does harken to like as Japanese animation is coming into its own style. Um, this yeah. is kind of from that era. Uh, the storytelling itself is very almost feels ancient in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah, so it starts with uh, uh, our 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 Jedi friend Tsubaki uh, crash landing, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, on this planet in a in a. Uh, in a B-wing starfighter, nonetheless, so that's that's kind of interesting because B-wings. If you think about narrative context, this the, the fact that he's he's flying a B-wing is kind of a problem. Yeah, a little um, weird because B-wings were really developed by the rebellion. Uh, in honestly, in the time frame of um, Star Wars Rebels, they actually talk about one of the mm-hmm. you know one of the Mon Cal who developed the B-wing starfighter. So the fact maybe that he just had to hop on a plane and get the heck out of wherever he was. Maybe he did. So you never know. So maybe this, you know, if you want to, if you have to put this on a timeline in Star Wars, this one probably takes place in the fringe part of the galaxy. Um, you know, maybe in the distant future, mm-hmm. um, past the time of the First Order. Whatever. I, I don't know. I can't remember. Are there, are there stormtroopers in here? I'm not even sure. There. I don't. I don't recall any. I don't recall any of you. Um, so there is there is a bit of a continuity problem if you if you're really trying to find some context in the canon, but uh, if you kind of forget about all that, then don't even worry about it. There you go. Uh, but we have the Jedi, yeah, the Jedi Tsubaki is uh, uh, he crash lands on this planet, uh, gets attacked by some raiders, uh, manages to overpower He's- them. But we see very early on there's something pro- there's a problem. He's got a kind of a. Mm-hmm. a, a whether it's a mental problem or some trauma that he's dealing with that really makes it very difficult for him to can paralyze him in certain moments. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it kind of takes over like a headache, but it definitely seems like it's some sort of, um, it's a vision of some sort that he seems, to, that's what you kind of see in the first instance of it. Because he was honestly handling these raiders pretty well until this hit him and then just almost made him completely incapacitated. Like he just couldn't fight back from it. So it, I I figured that was some, you know, <laughs> remember this for later in the episode. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. It's definitely some foreshadowing to stuff he's dealing with. Uh, we do find out that he, his arrival on the planet was planned. Um, you know, the, the three, the, the, those that rescued him from the Raiders after he kind of got paralyzed from whatever he's dealing with um, was, uh, one of them was Princess Misa, who is, mm-hmm. uh, who actually did request her presence because, um, he coming after, after finding out what happened to Misa's father is this whole storyline of, um, him getting killed. Is that correct? I believe so. Um, but then there, there had been a Sith hiding among the royal family. Yeah. Oh yes, right. So, so it's just what happened to your father is kind of how I think they talk about it. But yeah, it seems like maybe this Sith uh, that was hiding within the royal family took over somehow. Somehow took control or or took the throne over um, from her father, mm-hmm. and is now using her power uh, as a Sith to take control over everything and everyone. Well, and I, I did find it interesting that clearly Princess Misa was not. Uh, he he points out that she's carrying a bow mm-hmm. and that that is odd because apparently it seems odd that she would have been a fighter. Like that's all you kind of, that's what I kind of gathered from that is that she was, she definitely was not a, uh, she must've been a presumed a little more dainty or something. Yeah. But he assumes that she doesn't have plans to fight, but she's still carrying a bow. And maybe that's because as a bow, you're not going to get in hand to hand melee combat. For sure. Maybe that's the other reason why he assumes she's not going to fight. I found it interesting that Misa even asked uh, Subaki why he comes. And then that's when we find out that this uh, Masago, if I'm saying the name correctly, is a Sith Lord. Mm. So he felt that he, you know, he wants to tag along. He wants to come with her and her two, these two male guys that she has, uh, which are absolutely some comedy relief. With, I, they, whether they intended to be or not, there's some comedy relief. Yeah. Here. Uh, and it's the Senshu is who uh, George Takei is voicing. Yeah, and I really sound. I was surprised. Like I've never seen hear him voice anything before. So it was yeah, I didn't like, catch it at all. I didn't catch it at all. Um, yeah, so they, they guide through the canyons because they she needs the escorts, right? Because she's kind of banned. But I'm going to be honest; they don't really look like <laughs> um, two gentlemen who could handle themselves very well if ever needed to. Well, I think they made a point to say they couldn't. Yeah, I was going to say, she's paying them a lot of money to get her through places, and I'm like, you guys are like one big crusty animal away from death. Yeah. <laughs> because nobody's, like, they're not going to be able to fend anything off. They, but, may, they made it sound like it was their connections to people. Like, they're kind of, like... That sounds right. And maybe they're... Maybe she's not, tra- you know, kind of hiding as she's traveling, because I'm sure if you've got a Sith Lord on the throne and a missing princess, that they're looking for her. Mm-hmm. And that's just some of the stuff I don't know we get all that within the within the show. But they are a little surprised that to have a, Je- a Jedi come all the way to their planet all by himself. And so the two male guides are not super trusting. Yeah. 
And honestly, like the next three to four minutes is all just a, it's almost like a travel montage. Right? They <laughs> it really is. They, they get to one place. They got to find that guy does one thing. They don't want to go there. They offer the guys more money to get where they need to go. And ultimately, like it all ends um, with them confronting Masago. I mean, there's really there's really not much else to say about. Yeah, the journey, like the journey. They, they talked about being cursed, going through a certain like kind of back road path that um subaki discovers that mm-hmm. they they don't want to go that way but they go anyway yeah but you're right it, they might as well just thrown you know right <laughs> in on a desert on a horse with no name on there and away they went that's a good song um yeah but ultimately <laughs> they they get they get where they need to go to masago's palace um and this is where like it it did not go where i thought it was going to go right because i mean it's the last it's the last entry into this kind of collection of shows you you expect to be feel good at the end of it and this one is not a feel good ending type show <laughs> did kind of end a little sad um i just you i mean you get some you get some flashbacks that Tsubaki is caring about this princess i don't like it you're right this one was a little strange it kind of it did kind of bounce here and there. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. You may have to edit this part out. <laughs> That's all. I mean, there's definitely, we get a little more context to the flashbacks that he's having. Right. Um, it feels like this, this is very much of kind of taking from the Anakin Skywalker conversion to Darth Vader. Um, mm-hmm. This idea that, Subaki is plagued with these these thoughts, um, this trauma in the past that whether he couldn't save someone or maybe they're visions of the future that he cannot, you know, he can't save someone. Then it comes down to yep. they they fight they they confront Misa confronts kind of the guards and gets shot down, mm-hmm. and Yumasago comes up and thoughts and and basically was like subaki thought you could you you can't do anything here you've also lost misa who he clearly has feelings for in some some respect oh yeah Um, yeah we see that a lot with you know jedi and and in a very palpatine moment masago's like you're not strong enough as the way you are to save her but i can help you save her if you become my apprentice yeah yeah away we go darth vader is born (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and this was definitely playing on to the you can't save the people you love on the light side mm-hmm. idea, right? Um, which I thought, and it, and it was, you went, huh, that is not what I thought was going to happen with that one. Right. <laughs> and I do think that he's trying to do it out of, you know, he thinks that he's doing it to save the person that he loves and that somehow it'll fix things. And in a moment of that sort of peril, I can see where you can easily be convinced that that's that's what's gonna happen mm-hmm. um but interestingly enough kind of in a in a twist from the classic way this you know this story pre- is presented when it comes to anakin's conversion to darth vader mm-hmm. and he could not say padme mm-hmm. in fact exactly. in fact yeah. it's, you know it's almost kind of it's he's almost told that his rage and everything is what killed her ultimately in this case like um, they actually show Masago, the you know dark evil Sith Lord, saving, helping Subaka save Misa's life with the power of whatever. You know, I mean, we've seen Force healing, especially in the in the newer trilogy, um, and in 
ooh, rebels or clone wars. I can't remember, but this idea mm-hmm. of force healing is, is, is present, um, in, in kind of the Jedi lore. Just really interesting. And they, like, we actually had a concrete, like, you're not strong enough, you light side dude, but you know, come, we got oh, cookies yeah. over here. So, and <laughs> yeah. here is, and here's a cookie, side. you know, we have cookies. Well, and it's, and Misa, of course, because he's the one that strikes her down because mm-hmm. she's in a guard mask or whatever, doesn't understand what all just happened because she was dead, <laughs> kind of in the middle of yep. it. So she doesn't really even understand what sacrifice was just made for her to live. Yeah. And so I get her kind of just in shock and despair as, as you know, these two kind of ride off in a, into the sunset on a star destroyer. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is wild. Um, but it does get this, but it then does, he succeeds in getting this, the Sith off the planet. Mm-hmm. So there is that. I mean, like he tries to tell him to, to do that early on, but clearly it didn't, I felt like it, it feels like it didn't take much to get him to to flip over, but I do think that there was more of an emotional power struggle in there than the than this particular episode has time to show you. Yeah, agree. That makes sense. Yeah, because it feels like it happens. Like, I right, I'll join you. Give me the cookies. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, overall, kind of a weird. I I liked it. I mean, I think it was it was a. It was still up towards the better episodes. It had a lot of gravitas to it, uh, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't see that a lot. I mean, I can see a little bit more now, but you don't see that a lot in Western animation. Like Western animation, a lot of times, more than not geared towards children. um, And even Mm -hmm. the adult stuff is, is usually used in a comedic fashion, not in a, in a serious storytelling fashion. So it's great. You know, it's, it's great. They can use the kind of the, the Japanese practice um, where, you know, animation is definitely a serious art form and is, and they built it and designed it for all ages. Um, and there's different, mm-hmm. there's different flavors of it. And we've gotten different flavors of it in every single episode, everything from, you know, Tatooine Rhapsody, which is definitely a more of a childlike mm, approach yeah. to something like um, Akakiri, which is definitely like, you know, you have to have some emotional intelligence and um Yeah. For to, sure. To really appreciate this one. Uh, still think it's an interesting choice. I mean, even the first one, Ronan, I mean, it's accessible, but also very, you know, very much uh, targeting, uh, you know, a, an older audience. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, Ronan set the bar pretty high, in yeah. my opinion, for the rest of the series. And and not every episode hit that bar, and that's okay. But I, um, I... I think you and I questioned early on, was that the right episode to lead with? But I think because there was other stuff coming out about Ronan, I understand now from a, a more from a, that happened more for marketing than it, than storytelling. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah. And I mean, we want to talk briefly about, you know, Rebel, um, Rebels visions as a whole. Uh, <laughs> that's a different, that's a different podcast. Different Jason. Podcast, I know. Um, that's, that's called Ahsoka. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) From what, from what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah. Star Wars Visions. Once it is, uh, I mean, take a look at it holistically. I mean, it is, it is purely a collection of, of great tributes and homages to the legacy of Star Wars. Um, Absolutely. We're not, we're not pulling anything from these episodes that's going to impact the, 
the narrative universe of Star Wars, um, as every other, you know, entry is and is going to, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't, you know, have any impact on the stories that are currently being told. Um, but it is, it is great. To, I, I love seeing these styles blend in, even though not every episode hit the mark. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see that this is also like an experimental ground. Like what, what can Star Wars handle? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a thing I'm glad that we have as a Star Wars fan. Yeah. It's like, I, I enjoyed it visually. I enjoyed a lot of the storytelling in it. I enjoyed the, like you kind of said, the merging of two, of two different sort of genres, even though that homage that Jedi's really are, you know, kind of have, inspiration from samurais and things like that i think this was i think this was a great endeavor for them to try experimentally like you said and all in all i think that it was a really good a really good option a really good tribute i enjoyed most of them like i'm if i go back and rewatch it i'm not there's a couple there's a few episodes i'm gonna skip the twins um (laughs) but overall i which is which is a shame because you know, Patrick Harris is a voice in that one, but it's it's something I would absolutely go back and watch again. And it's a way to connect. I have some friends who are definitely more anime fans that we've been able to kind of watch these and converse about them some uh, from very different vantage points because mm-hmm. they're way more into anime than what I am. So that's been fun. That is cool. Bridging fandoms. Yeah, that's. I think that's that's probably what I like best about it. Is it really does kind of have given gives an opportunity to bridge fandoms mm-hmm. for sure. I think it succeeded at least in my little realm of the world. So I, I would really be curious to hear other folks' take on it too. What they thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Star Wars Visions that wraps that's it up. It. We did it. Woohoo! We did a nine episode. I don't know that I love that. I I guess, I mean, normally I'd like to have all of a show dropped at once so that I can watch it all at once. But I guess I've gotten a little used to waiting each week for the next one. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, normal TV. (laughs) I don't anticipate, they're not going to drop everything at once on, on these bigger shows coming up that they did with this. Right. And I'm still surprised that they dropped them all. But maybe because they didn't, it didn't matter. They didn't they didn't tell a story together, so what's the point of holding back an episode each week? But yeah. I mean, I feel like Marvel did that with what if and they didn't necessarily tie together at all. They did, but they didn't. I guess I guess in the end of that, spoiler, they do at least sort of all tie together. And these definitely do not, other than being really cool legends or tales within the Star Wars universe that I think we've kind of explained that maybe this is a story with if you're a you tell your kid and if you were part of the universe yeah if you if you were part of the universe you tell your kid this is that bedtime story this is that bedtime maybe maybe not the last one maybe not the last one uh (laughs) the princess just runs away in the last one or something but yeah overall i'm pretty pleased with it I am too. And I will have to tell you that uh, as much as I enjoyed our trip through Star Wars Visions, uh, I am excited for us to... We missed the first season of Mando. Actually, the first two seasons of Mando. Uh, yeah, we'll have to do a, a go back. We'll have point. to go back to those at some point in time. But uh, we are we are super stoked to be jumping into our first review of a live action. Uh, yeah. And, and really the bulk of kind of what the Disney Plus content is going to be centering around for a little while. Mm-hmm. So You know, I do find it interesting that 
I, I absolutely think that our reactions to Mando now, because you know a lot more than what you did then, mm-hmm. would be very different than had we reacted to them at the time of their release. Sure. We'll have to so may- provide at some, some point- context to our review as we provide yeah. context to the show. Because it's hard to not meta it, essentially, and go, yeah. oh, well, I really know what happens. Which we won't be able to do that with the other shows coming up. And there's so many good shows coming up, you guys. It's crazy. So excited. Or I think, yeah, I think hopefully, cross our fingers, Star Wars is about to have, I mean, a, a bit of a resurgence with. Well, it's the the uh, the the reign of Favreau and Filoni. Yeah, if they can just give them or complete whatever. control, it would be lovely. Mm-hmm. So, so we shall see. That being said, this was fun. So thanks for going on uh, this little ride with us, friends. And we'll be back to, uh, I don't know, slightly different kind of zanius in a short amount of time. Very, very short. As uh, the Book of Boba Fett releases uh, their first episode on December Wednesday, December 29th, which um, may be the day this podcast comes out. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> yeah. Do we know? I, you know what I don't? Is it staying on Wednesdays? Is Boba I, staying on Wednesday? I believe so. Okay. I think they found Wednesday is a better drop than in Friday for some reason. Well, it depends on the time of year too, right? So, mm. although I get, I feel like you could get away with Fridays on in, a, in the winter, but I don't know. We're not all out gallivanting and doing fun things in the winter. I'm not. Maybe you all are, but I'm <laughs> not. Where I live, I don't. I don't have sunshine and whatnot <laughs> as much during the winter. I do today. Oh, there you go. It's like sixty degrees. It's almost sixty degrees here in Ohio today. So not very Christmas wee weather, but you know. On that note, uh, next time you hear from us, we're talking about the Book of Fett, and we can't wait. We will see you guys again next time. Bye! You have been listening to Waiting for Obi, presented by The Chance Camp. Thank you for spending time with us today. We hope you join us again. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash waitingforobi. Until next time, may the Force be with you. This program is a Rogue One, not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company.